Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars hello and welcome to the show following an interesting weekend at winton raceway joining me to discuss the weekend's action and a lot more from vdx magazine it is john bannon good evening john good evening craig and from inside motorsport peter norton Hi there, Craig. It was an interesting weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. We'll talk about the racing first because there's plenty of other off-track stories to get to. But it was a F. Uh, it was a PRA clean sweep in the main game and the Dunlop Series qualifying races all went to the uh, Ford factory team, which has got what are we uh, count down now? Seven months left in their contract, Peter. Um, yes, they're still uh, somewhat proudly showing the uh, the, the Ford uh, logos on some of their gear. It's obviously not across the, the banner across the windscreen, which uh, indicates a, a more serious commitment from the factory. But but it's still there, and it's interesting that uh, at least on social media, the Ford factory are taking a little bit of pride in the recent success. And one thing you did point out to me, Peter, is the size of the logo as compared to the logo which is on the team that doesn't get any money over there at DJR Team. Yes, uh, just behind the front wheel, uh, the, uh, uh, the the Pepsi Max cars have uh, probably a double-sized forward logo uh, compared to the ones down at uh, uh, Dick Johnson Penske Racing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, clearly the, the guys at the front are still getting a little bit of love. Obviously, they'd love a whole lot more. And, John, their performance would certainly, would certainly uh, give them the credibility to get more manufacturers' support, and you'd wonder what it's doing for other teams or other potential manufacturers to think, hey, we can walk in here and and get a a race-winning combination. Well, that's the irony, isn't it? So since uh, they've had, they've, I guess, stepped away from having that full factory support, they've uh, managed to produce a car uh, this year, and I think it's probably uh, partly due to the fact that, that it is a, a, a new car and, and anyway, they've got the setup on it uh, right on the money and, and I guess proof of that as well is not just what uh, Mark and Chaz are doing in the car. Uh, Dave Reynolds is nipping right at their heels as, as well and, and was uh, all weekend. So, look, uh, I think it's, it's almost at a point now where I think you'd have to consider that these two guys in, in Chaz and Mark are really going to take it to Red Bull for the championship this year. I, I, I really believe they have the stronger car at, at this point in the championship. Whether that will remain the case uh, as we go to some of the street races and some of the, the longer format events, I guess, will will remain to be seen. But, but at the moment, you'd have to think they have the slight edge. And there was one stage in the race weekend that Andre Heimgardner was right up there too, Peter. Uh, yes, and uh, I just found it interesting that you know, the, without the bigger Ford investment, all of a sudden they've come good. 
Well, I suspect it's one of these overnight success stories that was years in the making. Uh, they learnt uh, a lot of hard lessons uh, in the previous uh, aero setup of the, of the Falcon, and uh, really, it's uh, only in the uh, during the off season that they got a few changes passed uh, that has levelled the uh, the playing field, or perhaps a little bit more than levelled. Uh, that's put them out in front. So, uh, you know, that that uh, magic P word, parity, uh, might be on people's lips again. Mm, very much so. And uh, the the one blot in the copybook, of course, was Chas Moss's crash at the end. Of, well, sorry, in the final race of the weekend, John, where he was out in front and the wheel off into the dirt was all she wrote. Well, that's right. And, and he was very quick to put his hand up and, and say he made a mistake. And, and of course, these same, I guess, lines came out uh, about that he's a he is a young guy and he's still making his, his way in the category. And, and uh, you know, it'll take uh, still a little bit of time um, to, to iron out uh, some of these creases. But, but you have to say, uh, in terms of outright speed, uh, he, he's very much, you know, the fastest guy going around uh, at the moment. And it's just the consistency of his teammate, uh, Frosty, that, that really... Uh, is why uh, Mark is uh, at the top of the, the standings there. Because uh, had Chaz not not had that uh, off uh, at, at Winton on the weekend and, and uh, the same in, in Adelaide, uh, he could be the one really leading the, the championship at the moment. Because in terms of outright pace, uh, he, he certainly is the... The, the guy, the guy to beat. So uh, no, it's it's great to see these young guys coming up and and doing a, a really good job and and adding that that extra like a spice into the category. Mm. And of course, it is causing a problem for Pro Drive Racing Australia because Cam Waters is doing exactly what he was told: don't make any mistakes. And he's now won the last six Dunlop Series races and sat on the pole last week at. At, well, last weekend at Winton, so he is uh, going to cause him a real headache because there's only three non-New Zealand drivers' seats in that team in the main game, Peter. Uh, yes, it, it creates quite a dilemma, doesn't it, for the, the young and up-and-coming drivers that uh, there's not many seats and there's a, a couple of good, talented people. Uh, Cam Walters, as you said, is... Uh, uh, he's doing what he's told. He's out there and just staying out of trouble and delivering the goods. And uh, it's interesting if you think back of, on that young fellow's career uh, when he had that, uh, you know, his first drive at Bathurst. It was, he's, gee, he's young and, uh, you know, where's he come from? Um, it's a, a fascinating story there how he got selected for that original drive and uh, how now he's uh, laying a great foundation for a, a career. Let's just hope that some doors open up to uh, get him into the main game because uh, he looks like a, a little star of the future if he keeps that uh, consistency going. Mm, well, there's plenty more happening out on the track at Winton. We'll be back with that in just a few moments, but ahead of the break, just to let you know, you can hear Inside Supercars on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. You can download the free app today. It's available in Apple, Android, Nook, iPad, over 4 million car dashboards as well. It's on demand and on the go. There's 20,000 shows just like this one you can choose from. So if you don't have Stitcher, download the free app today. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bought Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. 
you know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with uh, Peter Norton and John Bannon. And, well, we talked about the Mustard crash. The crash that really caught everyone's attention was in James Courtney, the second race of the weekend, and he has nailed his teammate Garth Tander and Lee Hullsworth, another car from the Walkinshaw Performance Stable, involved in the incident as well. John, it made for an interesting evening in that uh, Walkinshaw Performance garage. Yeah, I certainly would have liked to have been a, a fly in the wall. Uh, I'm sure there was uh, a fair degree of tension, and I think as uh, I read today, um, Gus said they, they certainly weren't going to go for a, a beer afterwards. But, you know, they're, they're two very experienced drivers. Uh, they're both extraordinarily professional, and I think uh, no matter how experienced you are in, in whatever line of work you you do, uh, you everyone makes mistakes, I guess, and uh, I think probably just on that occasion, um, you know, James obviously made a, a mistake. It was a pretty big one, um, particularly given, uh, you know, two of his teammates were caught up in it. Uh, I, I tried to have a chat with uh, James on, on Sunday night and, and he wasn't too keen. So that, that made me think um, he, he's still a bit annoyed about some of the um, weekend's events. And of course, I think he also got pinned for uh, a penalty with contact with uh, Rick Kelly uh, on Sunday's race as well. So, uh, he, his whole weekend was, was littered with a certain amount of drama um, and uh, I'm sure that um, given how, how well he's been going in the in the championship uh, was, was causing a, a fair degree of frustration. Mm. The incident also raised a well, raised a what Mark Winterbottom suggested was a silly look because his team brought him in Peter and put some wets on the car and he, he did uh, a, a the majority of the race. I think he did all but three laps of the race, so that's 17 laps, I guess, on wet weather tyres. Yes, it, it did look silly, uh, but anyone who said it was silly also would have said that, uh, or did say, uh, they would have done exactly the same thing. And it's all about preserving tyres across the whole season. And that creates all sort of debate about, well, is is the the rule book silly? Is the policy silly? Um, rather than the action of, of bolting on the wets. And uh, I suppose it depends on your, your outlook. Should every race be a cracker or should people actually be focusing on uh, a complete campaign across the full season? And uh, I'll play the devil's advocate. I'm fascinated by the full season-long campaign and the way that people will juggle their, their limited resources uh, across the, 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 whole, the whole of that season. Um, now, it makes it a much longer uh, almost like a, a test match of cricket to see how the uh, strategies pan out across the longer term. Uh, but, uh, yeah, maybe that is of interest to some people, but not others. Um, also of interest is uh, you know, some of the arguments along the lines of, well, it, um, it penalises the people who are successful. Uh, if you're uh, staying out of trouble and getting good results, you don't get the opportunity to bolt on the wets and save some tyres for later in the season. Um, well, uh, Again, there's a counter-argument on that one. Uh, some categories have success ballast, trying to uh, even up the field and to mix up results. 
So maybe this is a, a, a quite a good unintended consequence of the, the tyre rules and people saving tyres. Mm. Uh, and we saw Fabian Coulthard on the Sunday perform very well uh, out of his misfortune earlier in the weekend. It gave him some tyres. So uh, it, it can create new interest, but it does detract from people just going out there for a red-hot go. And I, one of the interesting things is speaking to some team managers across the weekend... They've now decided the uh, the commission, John, to allow an extra set of Friday practice tyres for the rest of the season, and it was it was actually quite critical that that got agreed to because some teams were saying that even though they had one practice day up their sleeve, they if they hadn't got these practice tyres for the Friday, they potentially could have got to a practice day and had tyres that were so worn out in their tyre bank that they would have had absolutely no value from the day at the track? Well, I guess this raises another debate, doesn't it, about whether you change rules mid-year or not. And from what you've just said there, it sounds like a very sensible decision. And I think the other aspect here is uh, going around on on really worn tyres, at some point... uh, that's got to become a safety issue, uh, particularly, you know, depending on what track uh, you're at. The last thing we want uh, is a is a driver to, um, you know, have a, a major incident with a with a wall or another competitor, uh, simply because uh, we're trying to spice things up from from a tyre perspective. But having said that, uh, the, I guess the the other area uh, is in terms of uh, the racing format. Well, Carl, obviously... we'll, we'll save that for another topic because I think that's a that's going to be a, almost a full segment, and mm-hmm. I do want to stay on the weekends uh, on the weekends uh, dilemmas, if you like, because mm-hmm. Volvo certainly still has some dilemmas in their team, and I'm wondering what Robert Dalgren, John, might be thinking when he sees the car he was in last year, not any further. In fact, probably further back the grid than up the grid? Well, I think it shows the, the advantage that uh, Volvo were able uh, to use. Um, and it comes back to what Peter said right at the beginning about parity. And, and given um, that uh, ProDrive have been doing so well, uh, maybe there'll be some in the, in, the, in the paddock at the moment going, well, is everything uh, even Stevens there? And, and I think Volvo probably suffered from that last year and everyone else has caught up. So... Look, I I, I think um, it's fine to try and even things out for for everyone across the board, but at the end of the day, I don't think you can begrudge um, the hard work of a particular team that's enabled them to to gain an advantage. Mm. It was interesting, wasn't it, uh, Peter, that Andrew Van Llewellyn at motorsport.com had a story before the 260 lap races when Scott McLaughlin beached the car and had to start from the back he was saying, and then had problems in the second qualifying session which put him down the back he, his uh, quote was along the lines of oh I'm looking forward to the challenge of driving through the field um, by Saturday evening Cameron Kirby was reporting at Auto Action that I'm sick of being in the uh, back and middle of the field that's too crazy back there Yes, it's, uh, it's almost hero to zero, isn't it, where uh, we've got two young fellows who were the, the toast of the town uh, towards the end of last season for achieving amazing things, uh, and uh, on the weekend at Winton, they were uh, uh, 
victims of, of mistakes and silly things that, uh, you know, in some respects that they've brought upon themselves that perhaps they don't have the experience in the cut and thrust of the of the mid-pack. And uh, whereas the old hands, um, you know, Garth Tander uh, boxed a few ears and uh, while there's plenty of criticism, um, he's laughing all the way up the points ladder because he's a, a solid, fierce racer and uh, he gets results. Mm. Now, DJR Team Penske... Peter, Scott Pye, his best results so far this year. And the team right throughout the weekend, they were seeing the times there. Mistakes by Scott on Saturday cost him qualifying positions, which, as we know, it's all about the qualifying. But on Sunday, they were able to show their team in the right light there. They said they've got five position five to position ten pace, and that's certainly where they were right throughout Sunday. Yes, it was great to see them having a, a much better run, and uh, if it wasn't for Garth Tender doing a, a, you know, a bit of uh, argy-bargy, the race uh, result for, uh, uh, for Scott Pye and also David Reynolds might have been uh, a fair bit better, uh, but uh, Tender uh, prevailed uh, in some of that. That Scott Pye uh, has the ability there to, to run, as you said, comfortably in that top ten. Um, it wasn't just a flash in the pan. Um, you know, they qualified up there. They held position pretty well on the hard tyres, and uh, you know, also had uh, good speed there at the end on the softer tyres. So, it's a I saw a, a total package there that's starting to mature, and I think uh, Pye will uh, learn from some of the argy bargy and uh, might not be such a, a victim next time. Mm, now, John, you had your your first experience with Marcus this weekend. How how are you seeing the whole DJR Team Penske vibe? Well, it's quite fascinating, isn't it? In that, uh, if we go back to Adelaide, uh, Marcus actually put that car in the in the top ten from that very first um, uh, in that very first round, and, and then of course uh, after the Grand Prix, subsequently uh, decided to sub out, but. Uh, as Peter has said, they found pace in that car, and Sky did, um, and sorry, and Pi <laughs> did an excellent job um, on, on on Sunday, and um, you know brought the the car home in a very very respectable uh, position. And I'm sure some of the other teams now started lo- looking over their shoulder. And you know we were told that this would be really a, a three year project to to get up to the speed to to be at the front. Well, already. Um, They've gone sort of past the, the midfield and, and into that front section of runners. The question is, will they stay there? So, over the next few rounds, we'll see whether they've they've managed to, um, I guess, set that car up in, in the in the right way and, um, and and maintain that pace and and, and pressure towards the front. And um, really, it's it's anyone's guess as to whether Scott will stay in that car long term or not, or, or as to when Marcus will ever. Um, come back. I, I know I read that, that James Courtney said somewhere that uh, he, he doubted Marcus would uh, ever come back at, on a full-time basis. It's a, it's a big enigma, this whole situation. Mm. Well, that was going to be uh, a question for you both. When do you think, uh, or when and if do you think uh, Marcus will be back into the car? I'm... I'm of the mind and the opinion to say I think he might be in the car Friday at Hidden Valley and I'm even thinking that he'll be racing at Queensland Raceway. Peter? I think that's a reasonably realistic timeline. I think they'd be wise to get him a a few more laps in the car that wasn't uh, qualifying and racing just to see if he has that, uh, that feel for it. 
Uh, as John mentioned, he did qualify well at Clipsal uh, into the top 10, but uh, where he sort of lost his mojo was he didn't feel the speed. He didn't have that feel for what made it fast and where the improvement was. And he just didn't have that feedback and uh, that confidence that uh, you know, he had that, that subtlety in the car. Now, now that the car's running a bit better, uh, I think it's spot on for him to get back behind the wheel, get some laps and see if he personally has the feel for the car, uh, whether the magic's starting to happen. Mm. It's going to be interesting just to see how that all plays out. And there's plenty of water to go under that bridge, I'm sure, John, before the end of the year. Now, ahead of the break, we do have to talk about uh, Red Bull. And, John, uh, it seemed like Craig wasn't the most upset man in the press conference when the question came about what's wrong with your team when he said, well, there's nothing wrong with our side of the garage. Well, that's right. I mean, at the end of the day, he was on the podium uh, for that that race uh, on on Sunday and uh, picked up a, a great haul of points and well, I think still sits uh, very nice and uh, smug in second in the championship. So uh, Craig's been very consistent uh, from the word go. Uh, but, I mean, I think in his previous few years, he's been at a similar point at, at this stage of the season. So I guess the, the question is, you know, can he go on with it? But I think the the key about Red Bull is even when they don't have a strong track like, like Winton, they still get results. Now, we mentioned Cray getting on the podium, which, of course, is, is a wonderful result. But let's not forget, Jamie Winkup started this race yesterday uh, on Sunday in 22nd position, uh, and he came through the field on, on a track that is, is not that easy um, to, to pass, with a good strategy and and picked up um, 10th place and, and a good haul of points. This is the, the thing about Win Cup. Even on his bad day, he manages to score a result. And, okay, sure, he sits down, you know, in, in uh, fifth in the championship at the moment, but I don't think many people would expect him to stay there, and I don't think that uh, he's going to have an issue with this car for long. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, write him off at your peril, but yep, once again, another top 10 finish. He got that 10th position on the last lap, and uh, yeah, a solid drive. You don't see a lot of people moving through the field, so even, so there's, even though the setup is off, uh, Peter, it, it's still good enough to uh, be better than, what, two-thirds of the rest. Well, that's what I was saying earlier about the, uh, the game of chess, which is the whole season. Uh, about uh, making the most of your bad days and, of course, capitalising when uh, the cards are falling the right way for you to make sure that you, uh, you know, take the big points when you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, we saw it a, a bit last year uh, at midpoint in the in the season. Uh, Win Cup was, uh, was, you know, he didn't have his usual lead and it's really the, the second half of the season that he got back into the groove and delivered and delivered and uh, you know, wrapped it up early. Mm, it's going to be interesting to see just how they go about the second half of the year. We need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but plenty more when we return. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. 
Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as the supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian tyres since we've been back and we unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Peter Norton and John Bannon. Join me, Craig Ravel, and, and John, uh, well, uh, Nissan had a really solid weekend this weekend. Oh, very much so. Um, I mean, Caruso, I, I think, was on the front row on, on, on Saturday. Uh, he went on to, to score a, a podium. Uh, Rick and, and Todd were up there all weekend, and... And looking now, you know, they, they both sit 10th and 11th in the championship. So, I mean, we've seen in, in, in the past that uh, Nissan have done well here. Moffs, of course, scored a, a victory at, at Winton previously. And and so, yeah, this is a, a good track for them. But I, I guess the proof will be in the pudding over the next few rounds as to whether um, they've, you know, I guess, gained um, genuinely this weekend and, and have made some real steps forward or or whether this is just a track that, that particularly suits their car. And, Peter, the gears got boxed in and uh, on the uh, safety car and could never recover. Yeah, that was uh, a bit disappointing to see uh, uh, Shane struggle like that. Um, uh, and, well, really it came down to having to, to stack during the pit stop and uh, he was left caught out. Um, ironically, because uh, uh, Scott Pye uh, was uh, ahead of him on the track and uh, priority went to the... The, uh, to the guy that was in front uh, and uh, that's the way you do it when you share a pit boom uh, so yeah uh, everyone was talking about Van Gisbergen be, to be a real uh, championship challenger uh, and he's not there at the moment and uh, this is quite a bit of a setback uh, for that campaign Well John I know you wanted to talk about it before formats, Saturday format is certainly coming under fire everywhere you look it is, and I guess with what I started saying uh, a, a bit earlier in, in relation to the tyres, OK, so the, the format is coming under fire, and the argument is, well, change it, and yes, you can do that. But I don't know how I feel about changing something that you've already put in place um, mid-season. You know, it's sort of like changing the rules to, to suit the particular situation. I, I guess, you know, the teams have been clever and, and worked it out and don't take... Um, those big risks on the on the Saturday, but I mean, from a pure, I guess, spectator view, from a, a fan point of view, I would like us to see uh, all events go back to longer version races, like we have at at Clipsal, uh, because I think, you know, you get the pit stops, you get changing, you know, from the hoff, the the hard to the soft compound tire, um, you get safety cars. All these things are what creates the drama and what allows some guys that wouldn't usually be at the front to be at the front, uh, and you get your upset. So I, I, while I don't agree that we should be changing rules mid-season, I think ultimately uh, V8 Supercars is, is a lot better and a lot more entertaining when we have longer-style races, and I think it's regardless of what track we're at. My mail, Peter, is that we are not going to go longer races we're going to have a soft set of tyres introduced into the mix 
and I know Michael Caruso, when I uh, was talking to him about it, he just goes, that's not racing. When someone can bolt on a soft set of tyres, you've got a hard set on and you're just a sitting duck. He said, it, it, you know, and if, if they're going to allow you to have a soft set in one or the other races, he said, it's just going to be a mess. Yeah, I agree quite a bit with what John said. I think at Winton we were very fortunate that the Sunday racing had a, a little bit of interest to it. Uh, that at that track in particular, where passing is so difficult, there was a very real risk that the Saturday racing would have really been decided in two, three or four minute blocks, and that is the final minutes of qualifying. Uh, and it, we know for the shorter races, qualifying is only 10 minutes long, uh, and uh, you know, it really comes down to that those last couple of minutes. Um, you know, surely the fans need a little bit more than everything just turning on you know, one or two laps from each car to uh, see what qualifying produces. And uh, when there's no passing on a Saturday, that's it. Yeah. And interestingly, John, they gave him a new set of tyres because they wanted it to be a form guide. And, of course, the second reason was they needed tyres to actually practice on. But David Reynolds handed back a brand-new set of tyres at the end of of the practice sessions on Friday and Moffat who came second who was second fastest on Friday did it on an old pair of softs well yeah and um it, it goes to show that uh the, the tyres aren't the, the be and, and end all of, of the whole issue and that sometimes um you know if a, if a car is set up in the right way um then it doesn't necessarily matter what what tyres they're on they're going to do a good job but I think we've also got to remember that you know, in the instances you've mentioned there, we're, we're talking about over the course of, um, you know, a, a couple of laps. So, uh, you know, you, in that particular instance, you can probably do a, a good lap on either tyre. Uh, your gut feeling, John? Are we going to have soft tyres or are we going to have longer races on Saturday or are we going to have both? My, my gut feeling is we're probably going to have soft tyres, but... I, I don't think that... I agree with Michael Caruso. I, d- I don't think that's the way forward. All right. Peter, your gut feeling? Uh, my prediction is that they will go for the softer tyres. I don't know if it's the right direction. Uh, all right. I think... Look, I definitely think they're getting the soft tyres. i just not sure if they're also going to make it 120 because I think if they say you can run a soft and a, or a hard in one of the two races, you are going to have that sitting duck you know, you're going to have that sitting duck uh, outcome. And I don't know that that's good for the sport. It's probably bloody good for you if you happen to uh, be on the soft tyres when everyone's on the hard, though. But that'll all unfold on our way to Hidden Valley in a few weeks' time. A break here on Inside Supercars. Plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars.
Welcome back to Inside Supercars and an interesting story that uh, came out of the Financial Review on Monday and I must admit a lot of the radio websites that uh, I frequent, uh, the industry websites, all were jumping on board the story that the CEO of V8 Supercars might be taking a job with Southern Cross Australia. Now, a couple of backstories to that. He worked for 10, which is a affiliate of uh, Southern Cross as an affiliate of 10. And, of course, we know that that didn't work out too well um, when he was at 10 and uh, he saw him being uh, let go before his contract was out. And then the the other part of the backstory is uh, Speed Cafe. Gordon Lomas got a hold of him and he has completely denied uh, this whole story about the Southern Cross broadcasting link. John, it's a, a very interesting situation we're in. It is, and uh, I like to think, as uh, I guess as a person, that you know you take people on his on their word, and, and if he's come out and said that, uh, that I guess the, the story in the financial review is, is complete rubbish and he's not going anywhere, then um, I guess that's, that's for the moment what what we have to believe, and and also I, I do find it a bit hard to believe that having been at, at ten, he would he would then I guess go for the the, the small cousin, so to speak, in in Southern Cross, and uh, to me that doesn't I don't know from a, a career progression point of view, it doesn't seem to make a great deal of uh, of sense. But maybe you know if that was the case, there'd be the opportunity to to build um, that particular group up. But look, he's he's told Speed Cafe that uh, he's not. Uh, going anywhere, and I, I think we, uh, uh, I'm inclined to believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, Southern Cross is a huge radio uh, broadcaster as well as a regional television broadcaster, Peter. And uh, interestingly enough, one of the uh, industry mags I read said it doesn't just need uh, an injection of new blood, it needs a full transfer, liver, spleen, and uh, you know, it needs some very serious work done to it. And they said, you know, including a major cash injection. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. I, I agree with John that the uh, the denial uh, that was published is uh, it's fairly clear. Uh, it's not even you know playing cuteness with the uh, with wording saying I have not applied. You know, of course, then if someone approaches you, you can say, well, I didn't apply. No, there didn't seem to be any games like that in the. Uh, uh, in the quote, so uh, I think again, let's take it at face value. But it does raise a, you know, an interesting thing to, you know, chat about at the pub. I guess is, uh, uh, has he done a good job, uh, and you know, does he have what it takes to run a media company? And in that stuff, it's interesting. Uh, his time at Ten was a was very unsuccessful. Uh, they, uh, you know, quite famously got uh, their. Uh, their assumptions around what uh, the, the viewer's taste would be, they got it very wrong. Uh, but I think that credit it needs to be put where it's due, and that is the current TV deal. Now, plenty of people will argue that uh, it's a step backwards because it's not uh, enough of it on free-to-air. But I think uh, most people that uh, you know, study the industry would say that this deal is at the cutting edge of the emerging trends of new media. Um, it's an uh, you know, to the way people are consuming their media now, uh, that they want shorter highlight reels, they want to access it through the, the internet, uh, other things like that, and how many sports where it really is a, a pay TV product these days. So uh, the work he's done recently, I think it, it's been on a, a clever strategy and it would appear to be well executed, 
um, as a media mogul, I think that uh, he's actually redeemed himself after his uh, disaster at 10. Yeah, it's interesting. The latest figures have just uh, have just been published by V8 Supercars, and it is good that they're not hiding these numbers. They're putting them out after every single race. And uh, this week we saw um, for the for the week, which is 11th to the 17th of May, um, which includes the live races. Of course, it won't include any of the replays. Of the race, and uh, if you go to Supercar Magazine, you'll find a story in there about uh, how the measuring is done because it's too complicated to go in now. And they're saying last week, 257,000 watched the Fox Sport races live, including Go and Play. The replays that were shown across the week, 19,000 people have watched. Um, the other V8 Supercar sessions. They have got 743,000. The Fox Sport other replays, which are the V8 Supercar Sessions, was 20,000. Now, the 10 highlights replays was 485,000. And uh, then their weekly programs, including the one they named after this show, Supercar Life and RPM, uh, is 96,000 viewers. So when they look at their figures year on year, and last year it was five championship events up to this point of the year this year it is four championship events they have got 13.4 million viewers up against 14.195 million viewers for 2014 and that's with one less event at this point of the year it's uh it's a lot of numbers I just read out there, so I'm sorry about that. But it's, <laughs> it, it, it is a lot to take in. It, it highlights it's not a disaster. And, and perhaps the, uh, the telling point, though, is while uh, a similar number of eyes tuned in, uh, the, the, the thing that remains to be answered is um, how long are they watching for, how many sponsors' logos are they uh, absorbing, uh, and will the sponsors feel the love? Um, you know, in a, in a five-minute highlight package off the internet, um, how many sponsors will you really be touched by? Um, you know, only time will tell. Mm. Um, interesting also, and, and this is key, because we consume media very, very differently nowadays. Website visits, so this is this to the v8supercar.com.au, 18% up from 5.3 million year on year, or year to date, to 6.2. Website page views, 17 million to uh, 17.034 to 17.020. So that's effectively uh, steady. Facebook reach, they're up 26%. Facebook impressions, 33%. And this is the, this is the interesting one and, and perhaps quite telling. Video views, they've gone from 1.7 million video views so far in the year to 5.2. It's up 205%. So that's online videos. Yep, which is my point exactly of uh, people are watching a very condensed package. Yeah. And, it, and the cars are still got the same ads on them whether you watch them today or whether you watched it on Sunday. Yep, it's whether it sinks in and whether the, uh, the sponsors feel the love from the consumer. Mm. Well, I digress from our uh, package, but <laughs> we do need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. And when we return, it's a final thought. 
Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels through the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought from Peter Norton. Uh, irony. I love the irony of the fact that uh, you know, James Courtney was very quick to uh, uh, accuse someone of being uh, a bit of a sook uh, at, uh, at Tasmania. Uh, that sook has, uh, since that, uh, that put-down, has performed uh, a fair bit better than Mr Courtney, and in particular he didn't take out his teammates. Um, whereas Courtney's back in the middle of the pack, uh, scrapping a bit. Um, yeah, love how these things come up and down. John Bannon. I'm really intrigued by the championship battle between Chaz Mostert and Mark Winterbottom, and what that's going to, ha- how that's going to unfold um, during the course of the year as uh, two very quick teammates, very both very capable of winning, uh, have have arguably the best car in the field at the moment and, and can they keep it up and, and, and how is that relationship uh, going to develop over the course of the year? Yeah, it is going to be a very interesting one. Just to let you know, the roundtables will continue throughout the year here on Inside Supercars, but over the next weeks until we head to Hidden Valley, we're going to do another of the series of interview shows, which I know you all enjoyed so much uh, between the break between Tassie and Perth. So next week we'll kick off the first of our interview series here on Inside Supercars. To Peter Norton and John Bannon, thanks once again for your time. Cheers, Greg. You're welcome. Cheers. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.